This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, whoa now, you never watched Citizen Kane? Or you seriously haven't seen The Wizard of Oz? Or how have you not seen Before Sunset? Welcome back, everyone. This is How Have You Not Seen. I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. We are also joined today by our wonderful producer, Corey, over on the ones and twos. Say hi, Corey. Hi, friends. No, you were supposed to say hi, Corey. The word's hi, Corey. Oh, I failed already. Man, no, it's okay. You're doing great. You're doing great. Also, Carson, I'm pretty sure it's ones and zeros because that's binary code. But anyway. I was over on the ones and twos. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) That's DJ speak. This is a movie podcast where every week one of us finds one of our favorite movies that the other one hasn't seen. We talk about it. And then we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. It's going to be a brand new season. That's right. We're coming in hot. <laughs> We're starting with an episode that if you're, if you're a longtime listener, we promised this last season. So let's just, let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. Caroline. Yes. I know the answer to this question, but how have you not seen the Richard Linklater film before sunset? Well, um, I mean, how I had not seen it from what this one was this one was what 2009 2007 something like that 2007 uh, yeah four 2004 yeah because yeah. um, nine years the other one was nine gotcha gotcha yeah. yeah from um 2004 through 2020 how i haven't seen this movie is just a damn shame mm. um but i just never really got around to um and then Last season, we watched Before Sunrise, and I said, I want to watch the next one right now. And we said, fuck, no, I have to wait until until we can program it into the podcast. What we said was, any joy you you exude into the world needs to be turned into content exactly. to get us Patreon money, is what <laughs> like, I, is what that I is said. That is true. Yeah. That is true. true content creators. We are content creators. Really, we're content it's extractors, I think is the term. Yeah, God, honestly, we mine the content coin. I don't know. We we mine the block content. I don't know. NFTs. Fuck, fuck crypto, bros. <laughs> don't listen to my fucking podcast. Hey, Matt Damon says crypto's cool. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, fucking Matt Damon at Regal Cinema did say that. <laughs> did say that crypto was cool in front of Spider Man. Tag yourself. Uh, are you Matt Damon crypto ad or Nicole Kidman AMC ad? Oh God, the answer is so clear. Um, uh, but yeah, right. so even I mean, in that episode, I was literally like, I was literally like, I know we're saving this till next season. I want it to be mm-hmm. the first episode so that yeah. I can do it like literally as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, which is the story of how it's the first episode. I would like to say I got one more question for you, but I do want to say, uh, if you didn't listen to the end of it last season, this is the beginning of a series. We like to do little series on this show, you know, related films. Uh, and for the entire month of February, starting out this season, Caroline last October, she's, you know, she's more the the horror gal. I know nothing about horror. So she took over the entire month of October, programmed that for some horror themed 
themed stuff. Uh, all of February is going to be my show. And let me tell you, it's love month. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing romance. We're doing smooches. We're delivering flowers. <laughs> it's going to be great. And so I'm really excited for uh, this particular film, which is my favorite romance, maybe my favorite movie of all time to start that out. Uh, so Caroline, next question. What do you yes. know about Before Sunset? All right. Richard Linklater, mm, Ethan yeah. Hawke, there you go. Julie Delpy. Oh, the heavy They hairs. all coming back. I'm not sure if we're in Austria this time. Mm. I would imagine we are in some beautiful European city, maybe Prague. What if it was um, like Detroit? <laughs> that would be that would be a very different aesthetic choice. Um, it would be. Detroit is a very large city, so I'm sure there are uh, very scenic parts of Detroit, but um, Detroit being a large American city, particularly known for the automotive industry, I think uh, the ambiance would be much different where they walking around busy streets packed full of cars and honking vehicles and gridlock i think that would be a much a much more stressful film than than the the predecessor but um yeah i'm assuming they're in some beautiful european city um and like i don't know i mean like obviously like i've seen before sunrise um it's a gorgeous little film where they they meet they kind of have a little 24 hour ish fling and uh fall as in love as two people can in in one kind of a magical evening um and they say at the end of that film that they're going to meet back up in six months this movie be uh taking place nine years later yeah so whether this is the first time they've met up in all this time whether this is the fifth the 20th i do not know um i would assume it's the first because that's kind of dramatically a little more interesting but then again like I'm sure they're smart people they can find dramatic you know they can find dramatic haft in like oh we've kind of grown stale just like meeting each other every six to eight months um so I don't I don't know if this is their first time or not um but I mean like on the one hand I know a lot about this movie because I've seen the first one I know there's gonna be a third um but yeah, I don't know. Um, in terms of concrete, tangible details, I assume they are just going to um, meander around a beautiful city, philosophizing about life. And I've heard, maybe I haven't heard, maybe I've just guessed and put together that this one is a little bit more um, like heartbreaking and intense than the first one. Um or maybe like it's just kind of I don't know maybe it's a little more hard hitting than the first one which is kind of like a sweet little I don't know but I, I really is, don't is very know airy. too much concrete yes yeah exactly in a good way in a great way otherwise I don't really know too much that's concrete about this one other than those Fantastic. things I'm so excited for you to figure out what this movie is oh I'm so excited if that is all you know, Caroline, I think that it is time that we move into our game for the week. And uh, this week, so we've got, a, again, if you're just joining us, if you're coming in on this season, we've got a, a whole cadre of games that we like to play at the end of the first half of the episode. Uh, we're not playing any of those this week. I've invented a game. <laughs> kind of, since yeah. Caroline just uh, gasped. Is this where you make me call an ex from nine years ago and see if yes. we can meet up in Detroit? Get ready. 
Nope. This is uh this is you Corey, know how I said you that. did the uh, we went you to know high school said... together. I put my foot down right now. <laughs> oh, yes, thank you, Corey. This is the uh, the I know that you said you did horror month last season, but no, this is the true horror. It begins now. You have to call all your exes. Um, no, so the, I don't have a mic for content. Yes. And we will sell the ensuing yes. conversation yes. as NFTs. Oh my god, yes. Oh, as movie themed NFTs. Okay, so <laughs> this game is kind of inspired by a game we did on an episode of this podcast about Fifty Shades of Grey that will never see release. <laughs> that is lost to history. Uh, I was last night googling before sunrise, and a and a, a disgusting, dangerous little idea just popped into my head and that idea was is there before trilogy fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) so i went on ao3 and i googled before trilogy on there i guess i searched it i don't know whatever um and so i'm going to present you with the names and two characters involved in three different hypothetical before trilogy fan fictions and uh two of them are real one of them is a lie wait so hold on yeah uh, i gotta score yeah. this thing i need you to start over I've, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me get these rules really definite okay okay so these are all before trilogy like slash you know whatever some characters in pop culture so like ethan hawk meets mr spock and they kind of yes austria yes yes okay but they're specifically like before trilogy you know version i have the names and the two characters that are in three of them two of them are real i found them in ao3 they exist you could read them right now one of them i invented i just made up Okay. okay. And you're going to have to try and guess which one I just made up. Okay. All right. Caroline, are you ready? Sure. Producer Why Corey, are you ready to score? I think so. Okay. I'm sorry to throw such a curveball at you right this way. No, early. hey, I'm into it. All right. All right. Number one, this one is called Skies Are Blinking at Me. <laughs> And the two characters involved are Maria Hill and Natasha Romanoff from the <gasps> MCU. Oh, 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 being Kobe Smulders character. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. The next one is called Suns Go Down for Us. And this is Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane from DC Comics. Okay. Okay. And the third one is called Your Roots in My Dreamland. And this is Ray and Ben Solo from the Star Wars sequel trilogy. <laughs> and what was the title of this one? Your Roots in My Dreamland. Oh my God. I think, okay. I mean, Raylo slash Fic is like a very, yeah. oh God, I hate that those, that term is <laughs> in my face. It's but, canon, um, it's canon, they kissed. Yeah, but Raylo is like a, a real, uh, a real thing. So that mm. one is the most believable. Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane 
is kind of the least cursed of all three. What was the name? What was the title of that? Uh, the title of that one is Sons Go Down For Us. Interesting. Uh, see, this is the hard thing because like, Raylo is the most obvious. So that's a good one for you to make up because like, of course that would trick me into thinking it's real. Mm. Uh, Lois Lane and Bruce Wayne is the least cursed by far. And the Maria Hill and Natasha Romanoff is the most cursed. So by, by, by a country mile. So any of these could be made up. Any of these could be psychological manipulation on your part. Um, Thank you for classifying this as psychological <laughs> manipulation. It is. It's deception. Um, this is gaslighting. This is not very girl bossy <laughs> of you. Um, I'm going to just have to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and go with my heart here. Mm. And I am hoping that Maria Hill, Natasha Romanov, fanfic, the, the, the most cursed idea of all time. Uh, two characters that exist in large part as they do because of the monster Joss Whedon. Um, I am going to hope that that, that is uh, that that is the fake one. And I'm going to pray that I am correct. Caroline, I'm so sorry. That is wrong. That is, that is wrong. Skies are blinking at me is on AO3. It is by Rom Cole. It is in MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Avengers, Marvel Movies, Black Widow Movie 2021, Before Sunrise Movie 1994. Uh, not to use archive warnings, tags, Maria Hill, Natasha Romanov, alternate universe, no powers, different first meanings. Quote, never mind. I'm trying to prove to myself that I can be unpredictable. Planned unpredictability. Wow. One chapter, 1,233 words. Okay. Real. Totally. Wow. Real. Yeah. And so does it at least take place in Budapest? I have no idea. It doesn't say it okay. takes place in Europe. My hope would be Budapest. That'd be the obvious one, right? Right. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Does it take place uh, in fucking Moscow? Boo. Boy. Yeah, yeah. You are correct. There was actually multiple Ray Ben Solo before trilogy <laughs> AU fanfics. That's just the one with the best name. Uh, so the one that is fake is Sons Go Down for Us, Bruce Wayne, ex Lois Lane. The one I where honestly I should have known that because a a hypothetical romance between Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane is, I mean, it's just better wordplay, yeah. but also like it's more fun to say. But also that is a very you idea. Yes. Yeah, that is a very new idea. idea. That is a very like like Carson Betts, mm -hmm. very much mm -hmm. likes playing with like the histories of like what characters mean, like in terms of century old cultural yeah. uh, signifiers. So it, it you was, you uh, coming up with the idea for a Bruce Wayne Lois Lane. Oh, but actually, wouldn't it be really interesting if we twisted this? Like that's a very you thing. Whereas. Natasha yeah. Romanov and fucking Maria <laughs> Hill is just what if the two ladies who wore jumpsuits in 2012 smooched? Yeah. 
it, it was it bad that as soon as I came up with that idea, I immediately knew like, oh, okay. So it's when Bruce is traveling around Europe, he's like learning how to be Batman. He's st- <laughs> like, he obviously, you know, he stops in Europe and like, yeah, she's a reporter. She's like doing some study abroad program. <laughs> and then 10 years later, she's dating Superman and uh, they don't talk about it anymore. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for playing my insane game. What a way to start the season. Uh, are you ready to go watch Before Sunset? Oh, I am so ready to go oh, watch Before I'm Sunset. So ready to. All right, let's do it. Let's go. We are back. We um, are back from Paris from this time. Paris, back from Paris. All right. So we don't have to finish a game because I just uh, made Caroline face a number of horrors that you just heard. Um, so we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is talk about fucking before sunset. Caroline, what'd you think? Carson. Yeah. You say very frequently that this might be this just might be your favorite movie. Yes. And to that, I say, correct. Like, that is a respectable take. I get it. Um, It's too fresh for me to really be like, oh my God, like it's in my top 10 or like it's in my top five or like whatever. But just like, I mean, 25 minutes in, I just stopped taking notes because it's just, you just get so sucked in. Let's see. Um, The last note I took was... The last note I actually took was about um, them meeting again for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And then my next note was, wait a minute, does this take place in real time this time? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because the, cool? yeah, yes. yes, the first one is very much like these very, 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 very long shots. Like they, they will go 10 minutes at a time without like any time jumps or mm-hmm. anything, but it is you know, like 18, like 12 to 18 hours condensed into like condensed into two. So um, while it is definitely not, um, while it definitely doesn't take place over a long period of time, it isn't exactly in real time. And I think like in this movie, they cut maybe five minutes out of the car ride. You know, they cut like maybe like 30 seconds out of them walking each place. Um, But like, I was just like, is this in real time? Yeah. And then that's the last note I took, which I yeah. believe that was right about when um, when they were talking about whether or not they had sex the first time they met. Yes. Which, which is, is like, you know, 25, uh, 25, 30 minutes in maybe, maybe. My favorite reoccurring aspects of the movie is them talking about whether or not they had sex. Yeah. Oh, so, so this is, I think you're starting to hear it in our voices, but this is this is a Spider-Verse problem movie. This is a Matrix problem movie where it's just like, I don't know, for me at least, I'm like, oh, it's perfect. It's just like, it's, I can't think of anything interesting to say about it other than just it fills me with joy and tension and drama. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Caroline, because I've seen this movie like five times now, but yes. every time they get, like for some reason, I still don't expect it. Every time they do the match cut, or rather the, you know, in like the, in minute three of the film after, you know, Jesse's talking and they do the match cut 
of Julie Delpy in the last movie to Julie Delpy standing in the bookstore, it gives me chills every <laughs> single time. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's phenomenal. I did not see the twist of it coming that he wrote yeah. a book about it, but also mm-hmm. like at the same time, like this being a work of fiction vaguely based on an experience that Richard Linklater had, mm-hmm. the fact that the character that is loosely based on him then wrote a novel that is loosely based on um like that makes perfect sense i i have a writer friend um who like the joke that we always make is like well if like if your story doesn't star a writer if your story stars a painter then it's fiction yeah, you know what i mean yeah, like yeah like like this story is 100 thing that exactly happened to me but like that person's not a writer actually like that person is a, like that person is a uh you know is a is a is an actor so it's fiction like yeah you can either do the like this is a thing that happened to exactly me but i'm going to change their occupation so it's different or you can do the stephen king route where it's this character is just me he's a writer but like he's gonna go through some horrific stuff so it's yeah. different you know yeah so, I, I mean that is like you called it a twist and that's kind of accurate because it's it's the thing I was kind of probing about in the first half where I'm like, you don't know what this movie is about. And it's the thing that I texted you and Corey basically like every three days for the last week. I'm like, you guys don't even know. You don't even know what this movie's about. And when you find out what this movie's about, you're going to lose your mind. Right. It's like, it is kind of a twist. It's a, It's something that you would not see coming, but it is also such a fucking logical extension of where that story would go like yeah of course that's what this would be about like jesse talks about wanting to be a writer it's all you know it's like half the shit he talks about in the first movie and if you want to do a movie that's metatextually that is both like a sequel to the first movie in that it is just what is happening to these characters nine years later but also is a sequel in that it is kind of metatextually about what the first movie was about right like probing what happened in the first movie and like yeah like it's it's obviously the way to go and just the just the way that information the way that the script is so brilliantly written the way that information about the two characters lives is just doled out in these these little very hyper naturalistic but these these little ways like the little bits and pieces they find out about each other as they go on is so fucking thrilling like it, it is wild that this movie is as tense to me as any action movie because every new bit of information is hugely important and massively changes the relationship between these two people. Right. Well, I mean, and to that point, I mean, they don't even mention, the film does not mention that he's married and has a kid until like until, 40 minutes yeah. in. Yes. It's one of those things where, um, I mean, what, which like, what a great, what a great little twist there because mm. it's one of those things where she talks about how she's single and he doesn't say a thing about like his wife and kids. And so like, yeah. you go through it and you're like, okay, cool. Like they're going to rekindle this and it's going to be like a fun flirtation. And then she just drops. She's like, so the, like, I think she's, I think it's like the, about the author in the back of the book or like, yeah. maybe it was just like a, a bit of like the press, like the press release about the tour, mm-hmm. but she's like, oh, so I read that you're married and have kids. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, no, what? Like, you can't be married, Ethan Hawke. Like, you can't, you can't be, married. be married. You have to marry Julie Delpy. <laughs> you need to smooch Julie Delpy. This is like, and we talked about it, you know, uh, last night we were texting about this because we're uh, taking a shot. We record these somewhat out of, this actually isn't out of order, but it is you no. know, whatever. Because we're about to record our next episode too. And that is just two movies in a row where the entire time I'm on You're, the edge of yeah. my couch just going, kiss, kiss, 
kiss each other. God damn it, just kiss each other no, already. Yeah. Like no, like literally both this movie and next week's movie, which I haven't yeah. seen yet. Um, but like this movie, like literally, I like alone in my house. Like I am not one who really does a lot of audible reactions when I'm alone. Like yeah. when it's just me, like something's got to be really funny or really emotional or really something to get me to uh to like actually speak. And like I was sitting on the couch and I yelled kiss yeah. at the movie um at least once watching this. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the tension there is just it's incredible. And like the tension between between the two of them of like this is awkward because like, I haven't seen this person in forever, but also like this exact meeting is what I've been praying for, for nine years, but also like, but also like we can't be together. And it's like, it's just like the friendship, you know, it's just like Mm -hmm. ostensibly like catching up with an old friend. And it's just like, it's just incredible. And I don't know, like I, I mean, we're going to be all over the place with this. That's that's the only, yeah. Because this movie is essentially plotless. It is, you know, but it's much like so, the first movie. But it's also, but, but it, but yeah, like, it is so information dense. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, like, I got to say, like, I am generally like, I don't know. Like, I have never seen a movie in which a man contemplates cheating on his wife and I'm like, yes, like cheat on your yes, fucking do it. Like, cheat, cheat on, on your, your wife. wife. Like, do it. Your like, wife and come child. on. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like typically I'm like, I'm like, ugh, gross. Typical men, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or it's like, or the wife is a character, like, and I mean the same thing is true with women for the most part, but like yeah. with a lot of romances, the you know, it's like the Anna Karenina thing. You know, it's yeah. like my husband is like literally like a villain mm-hmm. and like, and I fallen in love with like this beautiful dashing man who I love. And it's like, you know, it is set up to be like, well, like the obvious choices for her to cheat on the husband or most of the time when like the other way around, it's like, it's generally like, oh yeah. Like, isn't this dude so cool? Like, like he's, he's, he's got a wife, but he's also smooching this other lady. And typically yeah. I roll my eyes at that, but I was straight up just like, this movie does such a good job at like, at just, I mean, because you've seen the first movie and you know what their chemistry is. And like they just, yeah. it just, it just picks right up exactly where it left off with that chemistry. Yeah. Like they don't miss a fucking beat. Yeah. Other than that intro when they first meet each other, which is something I want to come back to because I yes. think that it is masterfully done. Oh, it's so good. But um, you know, after that initial meeting, once they start walking to the cafe and it's just the two of them again, mm-hmm. it's like that chemistry is exactly where it was before. Yeah. And like, you know, and Ethan Hawke, like, clearly, like, they do a good job of it being like, I really respect my wife. Like, my wife is like a wonderful person. Like, yes, in the way that like we, particularly in America, are like told to like, mm-hmm. get married, have the kids, love your love your spouse, you know, like, mm-hmm. he he is very good in that regard. And it's like, he's like, I did the thing I was supposed to do. And like, I'm happy that I did it. But also like, it is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And it's like the way they really get you on his side. And like, I was just like, cheat on your wife. Cheat cheat on your wife. wife. Yeah. It's, it's the, because you, you just, it, it is an interesting thing. I think that and it's we'll talk about it next season too, because all three of these movies start with kind of a little introduction of the two characters. Right. And they always, I think it's weird. It is wild to me just how much these movies 
work from both characters' point of view, despite the fact that, I'll spoil a little bit of Before Midnight, all three of them start with Jesse's perspective. Like, he is always the, he is always your your initial way into the movie. Because when you do that match cut to, to Julie Delpy, now nine years later, and then you cut back to Jesse's face, the thing you're seeing on his face is, I'm going to cheat on my wife. Like that, that is, he, he, that moment is so perfect. It is not a, what it, it, you know, there is a, what is she doing here element to it, but it is a, you there is a resolution to, to that, to that face he makes that, that is, it's matched by then the end of the movie where, you know, and it's the final line where he says, yeah, I'm not, I'm going to miss that flight, you know, oh, a I final know. line that just, oh, like makes me vibrate, you know, like just well, yeah, turn into just, atoms and fly just, into the air. No, I mean, it's so good. Like she looks at him because we're, we're about to start with the, uh, the, the last eight seconds of this movie and then we're going to jump back to minute yes, seven. Yes, but, yes. you know, it ends that ending of she looks at him and just says, you're going to miss that miss flight. flight. And he just, I know the, the, the most elated grin mm. in the mm. world. Just, I know, just I like, know. Oh, so happy. So oh. happy he's about to cheat on his wife. But like, yeah, you you get this is the most all over the place episode of this podcast we've ever done because this film just that's what it makes me do. It's also, you know, okay, I'll say be. I'll say as, this, it as it should be, as it should. One of the reasons, and this is I guess a preview for this entire month of programming we're doing on this podcast, one of the reasons that I like romances so much, and I especially I like talking about romance films with people so much, is that I think this genre more maybe than any other film kind of forces people to be very personal to kind of open up about their own experiences because oh definitely definitely you know we we all have some prior unless you're a completely aromantic individual which there are some of those we all have experiences that like I think more than any obviously you take your own context in any piece of art you're seeing but I think more than any other our own romantic backgrounds totally affect the way that we go into these movies. And definitely, like, definitely. I I did I always find new things with this movie the past few years watching it. And like my one this time was I I broke up. It's been almost a year now, but my last ex-girlfriend and I broke up last year. And then like seven months later, I had lunch with her. And I did not fully appreciate that very beginning bit in this film, the the initial awkwardness between the two of them until I had that experience in my real life. Oh, definitely. And I, you, you have that, oh man, I used, I was in love with this person. How do I even, and I haven't seen them in so long. How do I even eat a salad with them? Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what the fuck do I even do? Like, how how do I not just explode? Like, you know, how, how do I go back to being a a person that exists in real life? You know? Right. No. And I mean, like two things there, I think you're a hundred percent right about, Mm -hmm. um, like romances like kind of forcing you to be yeah like so personal and like even and like that's the thing with it too is even if you even if you refuse to be personal about it that's being personal about it you know what I mean it's like it's like it's like it's like nope like I wouldn't do that I would never do that I would never do that and it's like it's like okay like there's something there like like you're you you have you have a vulnerable point there yeah yeah and it's like and it's it is that thing of just like it rem- you talking about this just reminds me of a thing that um, 
an acting teacher used to tell me, um, and like, this is not an acting teacher that you have Carson RIP, but like, um, just the thing about like, you have to find where like you and the characters you're playing overlap. And the Mm -hmm. thing he would say is like, like you have never killed anybody, but you have been compelled to do harm. Like Mm -hmm. if we're being honest, like you've been compelled to do harm. And it, it is that thing of like, I have never been in any of these situations, like a lot of these situations, especially because I mean, it's a romance film. Like a lot of them are a lot more, you know, a lot more grandiose, a lot more for lack of a better term, epic, you know what I mean? Than like what a lot of us go through, but it is that thing of like, of like, I, I, I see it on like his or her face. Like I see it on Ethan Hawke's face. I see it on Julie Delby's face. And it's like, I've never been in a situation that intense before, but I have been in that same, like I I have made that face. I've had that emotion. I've had, and, and so many of the emotions that we've talked about are so fucking complex. Like even, I think it is the reason that I, as I was talking about that first Ethan Hawke reaction, and then that last image of his face are so powerful, partially because they're so fucking simple. They're like, they're, they're the absolute most simplistic action that Ethan Hawke is playing ever in this movie. And it's the same thing with Julie Delpy. It's like when she, the moment of her allowing herself to dance to Nina Simone is this utter release, which is something that she has not allowed herself to have for the whole, you know, the whole fucking runtime of the movie. And getting that compared to these scenes in which it's like these, these fucking actors are playing like 10 different things at the same time. They're playing the, the trepidation and the like the just that they want to just get with each other, but also they can't and all the baggage and the fact that they don't know each like, oh, it uh, it hurts me. This movie uh, puts me in pain and then it saves me from that pain. Uh, so I, I will say initially the idea with this movie, it was supposed to be like a bit more. It was supposed to take place in like four different locations and take place over a long time. And then they just like they didn't get the money for it. So, you know, and then Link later was like, ah. did it again. Yeah, they just said so they were just like, fuck, I guess we just do the same thing again, but even even simpler this time. Um, and it was massively influenced, like the way the, the talks of that round of them writing the script began was that Ethan Hawke cheated on and then divorced Uma Thurman. And that was like the the nugget of, you know, where this this movie started. Yeah. And then it just turned into like the way they talk about it is it's just like fucking like Richard Linklater has talked about. He's like, like Ethan had this idea. He's like, yeah, I just fucking divorced my wife. And wouldn't that be an interesting idea for the sequel to the movie we made? And then it was Ethan would like write, you know, whatever, like an email or or fucking fax. And he'd write like three pages of whatever and he'd send it to Linklater. And then Linklater would do some shit to it and then talk to Delpy and be like, hey, what do you think about this? And then she'd write like five pages and send it to him. And Linklater was just like, yeah, I don't, I just basically conglomerated all the shit they sent me and turned it into like a workable script. But yeah, this, ah, it's just, and you can tell there is this thing, both, it feels so planned. Like I was saying before, the the kind of turn of he's written a book about it and he has a wife and kids. It all feels like that is such a natural extension of the first movie, but it also right. feels so fucking organic because it is just these two actors really digging from their own lives and being very personal with it and turning that into, into the plot of the film. Definitely. And I mean, like, it is, it's a thing I joke about, but it is just so apparently true with this film is it's like 
I am such a sucker for a sequel. Yeah. Because like a lot of people, a lot of people say like, I can't do sequels because they rely too much on the first one. And then like, they're not their own film. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, they rely on your prior knowledge and they don't earn that, all that stuff. I don't know what it is about me. I mean, a good sequel like this one yes. and like the Lord of the Rings are like, you know, my favorite movies Empire, ever. Godfather like, 2, all the- Yeah, it is- Spider-Man 2, hell. Where it's like, it's like, I loved walking into this movie and being like, like, we got two hours of characterization already under the belt. Like, let's yeah. fucking go. Like, let's yeah. hit this ground running. And it, yeah. it just like really, 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 really works. Cause I'm just like, I'm just like, I know how this movie's going to move. Like, mm-hmm. I know how, like, I know how these scenes are going to go. I know how all this is going to go. Like, you don't need to teach me how to watch this film. You don't need to tell me who these characters yeah. are. Like, let's just get into it. Like, I want to see Ethan and Julie going again. And but, yeah. I did. And it's great. And I think that like, I don't know. There's so much I there's so much I have to say about this. And, and, it, and it makes you appreciate the, the small differences both in filmmaking and in characterization then like really jump the fuck out. Like they really pop. Like the fact that you noticed, wait, does this take place in real time? Like immediately you're like, oh shit, right. this is different. And I, one of the things that I, you know, also I find very impressive about this film and very impressive about Delpy's performance is that like, Jesse has like obviously grown. He has had nine years of, of character growth. Definitely. Celine has like, she has changed so much. Like she has gotten so embittered to the fucking world just from like, just doing her job, playing politics, like trying to literally because her job is like, I'm just trying to do good things in the world and the world fucking sucks. Like everything is bad and no man sticks around and like everything is terrible. And that difference, the fact that she makes all of that seem so cohesive to her character which, you know, and she's so bright-eyed and fucking hopeful. And so, you know, I I mean, this this is an over-exaggeration, but like Celine in the first film kind of has her head in the clouds in a way that Celine in Before Sunset just just cannot, you know? Yeah, no, I think definitely. it's, is it that they're, is it that they're talking about astrology in this one? Is that the thing that it, it's really quick that she brings up? And in the first movie, she's like, oh, I don't know. I think there's something to it. You know, when like the fortune teller is talking about it, like who knows? Like who can say? And then this one, she's like, "Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Like that's dumb. Like <laughs> live yeah. in the world." Like, and yeah, those ch- because you because this is a sequel and because we have that initial initial first movie, like all those little changes, all those character developments just hit so much harder. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. And I mean, okay. Mm. I want to start at the beginning and we'll see sure. where we go because the okay. very first thing I have is like you start off the film and it's him alone yeah he's telling yeah. the story he's talking yeah. about it he's, he's written it in the first movie he does like a reading and I'm just like I'm just like I am so frustrated by this because it's yeah like, it's like you took this beautiful like story that I yeah. know and you've reduced it to something you can sell and yeah. I was like you know and I was so frustrated with him for that at the very beginning and I'm like I'm just like, but how else do you do it? Like, yeah, like you you just like that's what you have to do. And it's what just the like, fuck else is art? And it's such a good table setting for this movie because it's like we've all seen the first movie. We all know what it means to us specifically. We all know what it means to us individually, and we all relate to it in like our own specific ways. But it is that thing where it's just like, but I watched that movie months ago, and I loved it. But, you know, I'm, you know, that was the past. Like, I can't 
go back to that. Like I can't feel all of that again for the yeah. first time, but like him talking about it makes me do it, but him talking about it also frustrates me. So it's very good table setting um, for how this movie is going to unfold. And I love when he sees her for the first time, it is this thing of like, he has built this up in his head for nine mm-hmm. years. You know, he's been hoping, praying that he'll, he'll see her again. We are led to assume um, he's written this whole book. I wrote that. I wrote that. I wrote this book on the hope that I would see you again. Like yes. it's this fucking thing. Yeah. And then like the way they meet it being so uncomfortable, not even uncomfortable, but just yeah. like awkward. It's this thing that like, I loved in the first one. And I love that they do again here yeah. where they convey like the gravity and how important this is by just like, not knowing what to do yeah you know um I think so many romances like they rely on like the music swelling and they rely on like the camera like framing people to like look beautiful and gorgeous and like look Mm -hmm. like you know what I mean and they they rely on like these cinematic conventions we know that tell you Mm -hmm. like oh my god like these people are in love or like oh my god like this is important and like the way these films just have the ability to just turn the camera on, just roll the camera and then just like have them not do anything. Yeah. It's just, it's so masterful. It's, it's the thing that I love so much about, um, Ang Lee, his last few movies have been fucking weird, but interesting in their own ways, but he's one of my favorite directors, probably solely because I think he understands that thing. He does the exact thing in a lot of his movies of, look, I could cinematically tell you that these two people are in love or they have longing for each other, or you know what's a much more effective way of doing that? Letting performance just sit there, just like letting the the, the innate longing of the human eye just kind of be shot on screen and, and, and let our like empathy as people kind of get us into that. It's, yeah. And the, the element of him writing a book is, it also then really pops off because- it's interesting because you get that beginning where it's like, okay, clearly the kind of, there's a lot of complexity, obviously, but I think, you know, the driving want that Jesse has is like, I want to fucking cheat on my wife. Like, I want to get back with Celine. And Celine's driving want is like, I need to tell this fucking man that he has no right to like turn my life into his stupid capitalist like book like he has no right in like making money off of me but I'm in love with him and so I can't you know uh and like and it's a thing I noticed I I think I might have mentioned it kind of on the episode I was like I can't really say the thing I noticed because it's important to the next movie but the literally the last time I watched uh before sunrise there's a part where you know they're talking to each other and and Celine's saying like oh yeah you're gonna go back to America and talk about this French girl that you spent all this, you know, whatever this French girl that you right, had sex right. with. And then she's like, I don't want to, I don't want you to turn me into a character. And then I'm like, fuck. And then what you watch this movie and it's yeah. Yeah. It, for those of you, this is not a video podcast, but Caroline just went like, Oh, like, cause that's the thing of it. It was when I, when I rewatched yeah. it last time and I got to that bit, I was like, Oh damn. It's like, like, it's so clean. It's like they wrote the movies together, but they didn't like, it's such a right. clean expansion that like, yeah, like just the fucking anger that Celine has. And when she finally lets it out, when she finally is able to like, okay, we've gotten through, we've gotten to the point where now it is naturally like, I'm able to say like, hey, fuck you for turning me into a book. Yeah, no. And I mean, uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, 
they have that conversation pretty much shortly right out of the right out of the bookshop they're just talking mm -hmm. about like you know um why he wrote the book and like it's much yeah. more friendly than it gets to be later yeah but then when they talk about when he does the tell me did did you show up like did you yeah. go to that train platform in vienna yeah. oh and then when she's like no did you and he's like no i didn't i didn't and then like when she's just like what was your reason for not showing up and he just like she's like how dare you like i would have yeah. been there if i could have but you just didn't show up and then he's like no i fucking of course, didn't. Of course i of course he of did. course which like that made me so happy yeah um i kept waiting i kept waiting for it to be revealed that like the grandma thing was a lie yeah you know what i mean yeah. especially like at the very 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 end when he's looking at like when he's looking at her walls and he sees the photograph and he goes is this your grandma yeah and she's like oh yeah i was because you know when you used to get i mean presumably this still happens when you get photos developed like for mm -hmm. real like when you get film photos developed there's just that little date in the corner yeah and i was so ready for him to be like this says 98 yeah yeah you know what i mean and like yeah, that didn't yeah. happen so i was so pleased but like that tension was is, there the entire there time the entire of just time. Yeah. is she lying is she like, yeah like, is she lying or is he lying? Did he actually not show up? But like mm -hmm. the fact that they both did want to anyway, the fact that he did show up and the fact that she was going to, but she couldn't breaks my fucking oh, heart. Oh, it's so, it's like, yeah, it is absolutely depressing. It's, it, and there's this equivalence there. Also this, and then the movie that we're, you know, you're going to hear us talk about next week there are these aspects of like it's so shitty when it's done poorly it's the worst thing in the world but when it's done well i always find this element to be like hey man the the differences between how men and women handle things romantically it's really interesting i think that like the thing that jesse lies about is oh no i didn't show up at that train platform i you know that's crazy i didn't do that and the thing that celine lies about is that she didn't remember that they had sex right <laughs> And, and then she gets to have the right he gets to have the like yeah of course i show of course i was fucking in love with you of course i showed up and she gets to have the we had sex twice like of course i remember who i have sex with you think i right. don't remember you idiot of course i was lying to you he's like why'd you lie i don't know because you do that sometimes right no i mean it's true it's just like just the thing you do just yeah. you, uh, it's so good the fucking i mean there's just so much in there's just so much in here i want to get to the fucking oh boat scene just that that why oh why didn't you show up in vienna oh uh, yeah it's like why yeah. weren't you there weren't you and there? like and the thing too is i don't know this this movie keeps setting up these things where i'm like okay i know where this is gonna go like we're gonna ratchet up the drama and mm -hmm. it just never does like i was so waiting for them to get into like a shouting match yeah like then he's like he's like why didn't you show up and i was so ready for that to like devolve into something and she goes like i couldn't and he just goes i know it's just <sighs> think of how different things could have been and yeah, like, she yeah. wasn't actually like i was so waiting for him to like take out anger on her and for her to get defensive and it just doesn't devolve into that and it is just like and it's just another thing that these fucking movies do where it's like it's like that alone like that actual genuine like why weren't you there like i yeah. am not yelling at you that you weren't there i am lamenting that you yeah. weren't i'm like that is so much harder to do yeah and it's so much easier and lazier to just be like oh well then you know then he like gets upset and he takes out his anger on her and he like yells mm -hmm. at her that she wasn't there yeah then it is to just be like 
why weren't you there? And I was like, Celine, why weren't you yeah, there? Yeah, Celine. Oh my God, Celine. Why couldn't you have been there, Celine? Yeah, it's, and uh, mm, yeah, this this is a good one. We're just, we're jumping all over the place. This is the most nonsensical. This is the the hotly weighed, you know, our before, last season, our before uh, sunset episode was our highest performing. And this is the hotly awaited sequel. And we are just devolving into nonsense. But it's, I think we're making, we're making cogent points but also it's i mean that's it's the thing we've talked about we're just going to jump all over the place because this movie is just like ah you know it's that's the way this movie makes me feel it's just ah you know yeah it makes you feel every emotion all at once yes and yes and i I will sorry go on no you go on i i will say the um before i watched any of these films when i was in grad school i did an uh, acting for the camera class and one of the monologues we got was Jesse's monologue in the car. His thing about yeah. how he only stays with her. Like, like if I could, like, I, I love her, like I love a friend, but I'm not in love with her. We sit there in bed emotionless every night. And my, you know, my, I stay there for my kid, but I, I do it all times 10. I'd live in utter pain if I could, you know, get to see my kid be happy we got that monologue and I had to do it. I was like, this is so fucking melodramatic. Oh my God. This thing is like, what is this? And then I watched these movies and I went, Oh, Oh, that's how you do that. Oh, that's how you make that monologue work. No, I know. And it is just, I don't know. It is, it is just so masterfully done. And it's a thing that I said in the before, uh, before sunset episode or before sunrise episode. Um, Yeah where I was like everything these characters say and do is like what they tell you in screenwriting 101 like you can't do this yeah yeah you know what I mean it's like it's just like you can't just have a two-hour movie of just people monologuing about philosophy and love and like they're not really being any inherent conflict between the two characters other than like some emotional like bumping up against other than just like the world other than just hey sometimes things don't work out like right yeah and I mean this film does that as well um it is just it is amazing to me how I I don't want to say effortlessly because I don't think it's effortless like I think they're but how how they make it look so effortless that Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah we just we just turned on the camera and like these are two real people and like it is compelling not because it is telling like a story with a clear beginning middle and end but it is compelling because like you know what all of these emotions are and like we are going Mm -hmm. to just like show you what it's like to like we are just going to like and it is like a very like almost cathartic and validating movie as much as it is that frustration Mm -hmm. like as much as there is that frustration of like "Ah, I don't like feeling everything at once yeah it's just like when there's a movie that's just like, hey, you know how sometimes you feel everything at once? It's like, yes, I do know how I that's do, like. I do. Later. Thank you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for thank you for putting me on screen. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for just just giving me a little slice of humanity. I mean, that's I, th- I mean, fundamentally that's my big thing. That's why this is like my favorite movie is that it is just a, it is the thing that I think art strives to do. It takes a slice out of the human experience and just hands it back to you. You know, it's 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 right. what movies are. They're empathy machines. And ah, it's it's brilliant and it's perfect. And I love it so yeah. much. Um, it's beautiful. Perry looks so nice. Yeah, it's great. 
I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we should okay, produce a Corey. What do you think about this movie? Okay. I could talk about my feelings on this movie forever and probably triple the length of this episode, but I will not do that. Um, I really like all the points that you guys have made so far. Uh, partway through, it was at the very, very end when they're walking up the stairs to her apartment. That was one of the most, I think, tension-filled bits of cinema I have ever seen and watched. As that was happening, I couldn't help but think back to a film that is not related to this one at all, Uncut Gems. When that movie came out, I watched it probably like a year later, and everyone talked about how it was the most tense film they'd ever seen, and it was the most stressful experience. I finished it and was like, I mean, sure, maybe, but also I did not get the whole, nearly as much tension out of it as everyone else did. And as they were walking up the stairs, the joke that I thought of was this walk up to her apartment has the amount of tension that everyone describes Uncut Gems as having because you just have no idea what what's going to happen and so much of both films sort of rides up to that moment that walk up the stairs and it's just it's beautiful and gorgeous and the film is incredible and I might break and watch before midnight before we do it next season I haven't decided yet so um stay tuned for that but yeah thank you for asking it was beautiful and gorgeous and I think y'all absolutely killed the analysis yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very was, good point. Yeah, very, good point. Good many point. good points Absolutely. were made. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, Caroline. I don't think I have anything else to say about this movie other than it's great. What do you? <laughs> I have, I have so much more to say, and also yes. much, much like these films. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to end it like this. Okay. In the way that I think these films convey so much, I said this about before uh, sunrise, and I'm going to say it about this. They convey so much by just not doing anything. Mm -hmm. I am going to try to communicate how much more I have to say about this movie by just shutting the fuck up. Yeah, just kind of (laughs) leaving it in awe. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's, I think that's good. All right. Well, uh, that was, that was before fucking sunset. Yeah. What a, what a film. An amazing, beautiful fucking little movie. So, Next week, we are continuing Love Month. Yes, we it's, are. Carson special month of love. <laughs> um, with uh, <laughs> with a, another film about um, a man and a woman walking around a beautiful city. Uh, uh, do you want to know what it is, Caroline? I do. We're going to be watching the classic 1980s romantic comedy, When Harry Met Sally. I love it. It's a, a great film. I'm really excited to talk about. I am very excited to talk about it as well. And, oh, um, all right. Well, with well, that being said, um, producer Corey, would you like to tell all of the lovely people where they can find us on the internet? If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review also really helps out the visibility of the show. Uh, and now you can do, leave a review on Spotify. So especially if you're a Spotify user, if you could get in there and give us a rating, that would really, really help boost us in the Spotify algorithm. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. 
You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at HHYNSPod. And a very special thank you to our newest patrons, Jack Smith and Lehar. Uh, if you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash HHYNSPod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks, ranging from $1 to $25 a month. As I said, if you're interested in hearing more, please visit patreon.com slash HHYNSPod. With that being said, I think that's all we got until next week when we talk When Harry Met Sally. Love it. All right. See you next week.